Welcome to the Startup Help Desk, your source for answers to questions about building companies, starting companies, the meaning of life. We have a panel here of experienced investors, founders, entrepreneurs who are going to share our experience to answer questions submitted by people just like you. Our website is thestartuphelpdesk.com. If you have questions, please submit them. We'll feature them on a future episode. But for now, we're going to answer a bunch of questions about problem customers. If you have a business, hopefully you have customers. And if you have customers, some of them will be problematic. All the questions today were submitted by listeners just like you about problem customers. Our panel is here to answer them. My name is Sean Burns. I've been a founder for about 20 years. And we're lucky to be joined by a special guest panelist today in Marty Greenberg. Thanks for joining us, Marty. Good to be here, guys. Good to be here. Quick background on myself. Uh, I've been in the, the early stage part of tech for a long time now. I started a, a company called Bedley. Uh, and uh, we um, I started that as co-founder and CEO and scaled that from zero to about 10 million plus in revenue, 7 million bucks venture capital raised. We exited that company. And then since then, I've been advising uh, early stage founders, doing a little bit of angel investing. And then uh, we build uh, various experiments and products in our labs called Zion Labs. Uh, we've we've uh, in the recent past been doing a little bit in Web3 and uh, more recently a little bit more in Web3 and AI. And Marty is here to make sure the rest of us sound very respectable. So thank you for doing that, Marty. We need it. We have our rest of our panel here as usual, Ash and Nick. Hi, my name is Ash Rust. I'm a pre-seed investor based in San Francisco. I mostly invest in B2B companies based in the US, UK and Canada through a fund I started called Sterling Road. Before investing, I was an entrepreneur myself, but these days I spend most of my time coaching founders and have helped more than 1,500 startups over the years. Hey, this is Nick Melionis. I am co-founder and CEO of a startup called Navi. The skills that make the best founders are the same skills that everyone needs to succeed in the world of tomorrow. We help people and organizations build those skills. As always, I'm excited to get into today's conversation. Very cool. And all of our questions we'll answer today, again, were submitted by listeners like you. If you have a question we would love to answer in a future episode, just go ahead to thestartuphelpdesk.com to submit it or find us on X, Twitter, whatever it's called this week as the Startup HD. We would love to answer your questions. But for now, we're going to answer questions about problem customers. And again, we all have customers. We all have problems and problem customers can be difficult to deal with. So let's start it off. Our first question that was submitted is, we think one of our customers is planning to compete with us and copy our product. How can we know for sure? And what should we do if they are? I have actually heard this question almost a dozen times in the last 24 months. Ash, what do you think, man? Get us started. So lots of people are planning to compete with you. I don't know if it's a lot different if they're a customer. I wouldn't spend too much time worrying about this, honestly. I think you just need to Keep it simple, stay focused on happy customers, and then wherever your competition comes from, they are in big trouble. Now, of course, if a customer is just harvesting data from your platform and they're actively marketing a competitive product, then it makes sense to cut them off. But that's going to be in a small minority of cases. I think most of the time, this is more of a concern problem than an actual problem for your startup. Interesting. Marty, what do you think, man? You've seen a lot of companies. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's going to be very natural for, I would actually be surprised if this didn't happen. Uh, you know, I, I would constantly sign up to competitor sites and use their product. And I know many people have. Um, I think it's kind of a nature of the beast. If you do find out that one of your customers is, you know, getting a lot of inside information, you know, you can just, you can just stop them from having access. 
Um, but you know, I think I think the the second part around the copying, you know, that that sucks, but that also happens a lot. And uh, you know, I think it was uh, Picasso that said, uh, "Good artists copy, great artists steal." I do think that people find a lot of inspiration from other products, and I think people should consider doing the same. Do you guys, out of curiosity, because I agree with you, and I mean, honestly, what are you going to do about it, right? Like, are you going to pick a fight with them? But there are a lot of companies that in the in the terms of service, or if it's an enterprise product, typically to sign an NDA, they include terms around reverse engineering or using information gleaned from your product to create competing products. Do you think that matters at all to have those terms in place, or are they really just there as decoration? It's, it depends on the stage of company you're in. If you actually have the resources to go through a legal process, um, most startups don't. Um, you can you can add it in if you'd like. You know, take ten seconds to throw a little bit of legal language. Maybe do you know talk to your lawyer briefly. But I think it's it's probably not a great plan to have as part of your strategy to 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 get involved in a, a legal process. I think for the most part, startups want to avoid as much as possible any type of legal proceedings or processes. Um, so, you know, I, I think those things, maybe they might help in deterring, um, but, uh, you know, just maybe don't plan on, on going through a full legal process. <laughs> when you were saying deterring, all I could think of was like, beware our small print. And everybody's like, oh, no, not the small print. Anything <laughs> but the small print. The small print is scary stuff. Deadly T's and C's. <laughs> on page 59 of the terms of service. <laughs> That's right. Well, actually, this is a good question. Ash, to your point, if, if it is possible for a customer to copy your product just by using it as an investor, does that make it a less attractive investment? Should, shouldn't there be something more that protects your advantage than just somebody seeing your product and be able to copy it? I think that's a big factor for a lot of investors. If your differentiator is something that other people can replicate, then you're going to have to demonstrate why you have the skill sets on the team to maintain your current advantage. So uh, mm-hmm. not to say that there aren't many large companies built on advantages which are replicable, right? Obviously, everyone could try and replicate Apple's user experience, Dropbox user experience, but they struggle because those companies are presumably continually innovating on that user experience. Uh, but it's certainly a lot easier for someone like me to invest in a company where there's a clear technology advantage that other people would struggle to replicate. I agree with that. Make sure people wonder how your product works. That is a great way to think about your competitive advantage. Okay, cool. Let's move on. Lots of problem customers. We don't want to be... And by the way, none of our listeners are problem. The customers of this podcast are listeners. None of you are problematic. You're off. This favorites. is all theoretical. <laughs> <laughs> Ash, what else do we have on our queue for today? All right, question two. A handful of our customers are very abusive to our sales or customer support teams. It's causing serious morale issues. What can we do about it? A handful of our customers are very abusive to our sales and customer support teams. It's causing morale issues. What can we do about it? Marty. First of all, uh, just trying to understand you know, w- w- why the abuse occurs. Um, I would say that there are some industries or parts of industries where customers just are naturally a little bit abusive. It's not great, but I, I have uh, myself worked in one of those. So I kind of understand if your industry is like that, it becomes one of these things where finding the right people on the customer support side is going to be a bit better. Um, sometimes there are people who could kind of, you know, going through you know, as a customer support um, associate can kind of take things real personally. 
And, uh, you know, you don't really want, uh, you don't want that in a uh, situation where your industry is a little bit more, um, people are a little bit more sharp tongued. So, um, but there are, you know, there are, and there also are ways to, uh, I would say if you're, if you're, this is a long answer, but I would say also if, if some of your customers are like, you know, getting a little bit out of hand, then certainly, you know, you can take that, uh, that percentage of them and, 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 you know, end business with them. I don't, I don't think anybody who's really, really bad is, is worth doing business with. Fire your customers. That's the answer. That's a metric. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, it seems that we've got two two avenues here. And I like the way that you all have put this because number one, when it comes to sales, customer support, and that part of the business, we're looking for the skill set of somebody that can endure and persevere through a variety of circumstances, many of which could include tough customer conversations. And so I think the step one here is to say, hire the skill set and folks that are able to navigate challenging conversations and err on the side of that versus thinking, oh, we should always pull the plug on the customer. That being said, (laughs) there are plenty of situations where it can make sense to tell the customer that this is no longer working and adjust course. That's absolutely right. Pulling the plug on the customer sounds very finite. And to be clear, we're not advising any physical harm to anybody under any circumstances. That's right. Yes. Unless you you've wronged Nick, in which case we can't make any guarantees for your safety. And you got to do what you got to do. Yep. <laughs> this brings up an interesting question. So, so let, let's, let's explore some stories. Ash, do you have any good stories? Like what's the worst customer you've ever had to deal with in your career across all of your companies? Okay. So way back when I was a CEO and Julius Caesar was still running things, we had this free trial spammer. So we were a SaaS business. It was basically MailChimp for SMS. Uh, That was what SendHub was. And uh, so we'd give people a certain number of free messages if they entered their credit card so they could try the service. So we noticed that there was this account or group of accounts that kept creating new accounts, adding credit, a credit card. After they'd add a credit card, they'd use all the messages and then they'd delete their account and then reappear with a new credit card. We eventually figured out who it was. We get them on the phone, totally normal. Oh yes, yeah, sorry, no problem. Really happy to pay, just let us know. And we'd send them the invoice or send them the link to sign up, nothing. And they'd just keep spamming us over and over again with more and more of these free trials. Eventually, uh, I spoke to the person like, okay, they played the same game. Okay, all right, this is it. We're done. We're just going to block their IP because it was all coming from the same IP. So we block Mm. their IP and everything's fine for about seven days. And then I start getting these emails from our investors. And this dude has found our investors and emailing them with like all this stuff about how we are uh, mean to our customers that no we're way. removing a free tr- plan that was unfairly done in a short space of time and emailed everybody. He emailed Gary Tan. He emailed Mitch Kapoor. So I'm getting these forwarded little emails from people like, hey, we, uh, what's going on here, Ash? So that was, uh, that was pretty rough. And oh my gosh. So everyone basically emailed him back and said, hey, you know, no worries. Uh, Don't ever contact me again, you lunatic. Uh, And that was the end of it. And then maybe three or four years later in like 2015 or 2016, I think Gary Tan leaves Y Combinator to start his own fund. 
And this guy found my personal email address and sent me this long diatribe about how now that Gary Tan had left Y Combinator, I was truly in trouble. It's like, what on earth is going on? So yeah, <laughs> worst customer I've ever had. Oh my god! It was me. <laughs> <laughs> the revelation. Oh, let's uh, let's get back to answering. And that was awesome, Ash. Like, thanks for sharing. That's a crazy story. Let's get back to answering some questions. Nick, what else is on our queue? All right, let's do it. So third question of the day that came from a founder is the following. Our biggest customer wants to invest in our company. And when we said no, they hinted they might cancel their contract. Should we let them invest? Marty, you want to kick things off? Mm, Yes, I want to kick things off. And the answer is no. I think you should absolutely not. The only caveat is if they are a significant portion of your business. In that scenario, I would try every possible way to not do so, to not have them invest. Uh, If that was not an option, then I would consider doing something from an investment standpoint that's as light as possible, that doesn't give them any data or information that you can kind of uh, appease them for the process. It, it, It does kind of, you know... In that scenario, you kind of got a gun to your head if, if you really rely on that revenue. Um, but you know that's 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 on, that's honestly not a great re- business relationship to be in if, if somebody's kind of putting a gun to your head trying to make you invest. Trying to invest oh, I money. agree a thousand percent with Marty. Under no circumstances do you want a company like that in your cap table. There are I, I've seen on a very few cases where this this customer is actually a wholesale distributor partner. And you might consider issuing them some warrants or selling them some warrants in the company, but not shares, no information rights. Don't get them on your cap table. Because honestly, are they going to be nicer to you when they're on your cap table than they are as a customer when they're holding no, you hostage? No, they are not. not. <laughs> no, no, they're going to make your life miserable. And now and that they're fact, hinting at this behavior, it's so clear that you're going to have this relationship break down at some point. You just now have to decide uh, when it's breaking down. Absolutely. And I've seen this a few times where big companies, they know they're a big customer of yours. The reason they want to get in your cap table is they want to make sure no one else can acquire you. Because the minute they're on your cap table, they can create all sorts of noise if there's ever an Mm. acquisition and they can essentially block you and make sure that maybe they're the only one who could ever acquire you for whatever price they decide. So you got to be really careful about this stuff. You got to be, it's just, it's so dangerous. Oh man, I can't even imagine Man. What's what's a good uh, way to say no in this case? Then how do you how do you say no in a strategic way? Ash is the investor among us, which means he's a professional no sayer. What do yeah, you say? <laughs> yeah, say? let's do this. Well, I think first of all, obviously, just start with emojis as your baseline. Yeah, That's going to yeah. help a lot with the communication. Yeah, I think that you're what you're going to do here realistically is. Uh, is tell them that you're willing to keep talking about it and that maybe that the round is coming in the future, that you can't take the money right now, but there'll be a round in the future where you'll, you'd love to discuss it. And then once you get to that point, then perhaps we can have a discussion about whether or not there's room for this particular investor or whether or not um, existing customers are prohibiting them perhaps from investing because they would leave. Um, Ooh, yeah, that's you- nice. So there's there's a lot of different things that you can use, but ultimately you are just delaying a relationship breaking down here. Behavior 
that they are obviously not going to be trustworthy, nor are they in the business of building this relationship with you. If it's an enterprise sale, then that's what the sale is based on. So again, face reality, except this is probably going away. Yeah, man. Well, this inspires me. Let's like, we need story time to come back. Marty, do you have any good problem customer stories for us here? I've got a lot. I guess I was kind of trying to filter through which were the, the worst, but there's there's a whole lot of them. Like I said, we sort of worked in an interesting space. One of them was um, at Bedley, we had a, a situation where uh, one of the uh, one of our customers who was staying at, at one of the uh, uh, the units, we uh, I got a call one day and it was from the New York City uh, District Attorney, and they said, "Here's the situation." We need your we need your compliance. It's mandatory. Here's what we need. Blah 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 blah. So you know, I didn't know if I I didn't know if I believed who this person was. You know, you never know who's calling you. Five minutes later, two couple people in black suits showed up, and uh, we had uh, they had to have an operation of extracting somebody from one of the uh, properties. Oh and, my gosh! Uh, it turns out that that person uh, had. Uh, had just uh, at the time had just done one of the biggest Bitcoin scams, like by dollar amount, uh, and they got them. Yeah, they, we kind of helped. Them. And did they recover the forty five dollars? I think it was less than that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it was a uh, it was a uh, uh, it was a pretty it's pretty big story in the in the New York Times. Um, wow. But, uh, yeah, to be were, clear, uh, that was not me. The first one was me. This was not me. That was definitely not me. Man, that's intense. Did you have to testify? No, we didn't. I didn't have to test. You know, like I, we try to stay out of these things as much as possible. You know, um, <laughs> we try to stay neutral. <laughs> but um, uh, no, it was it was it was kind of one of these things where you know I think we uh, I guess we did our part for the uh, city of New York. Um, you know, we got, I got one thank you call. That was about it afterwards. Um, any medals? They, <laughs> were, they were trying the key to, to the city, man. The key to the city. <laughs> I know. And they were trying to apprehend this guy for quite a while. Um, and, uh, wow. yeah, I don't want to say we, I Marty, was this was your bounty hunter debut opportunity in case he's listening. You know, I, I had no choice. Nick, tell me you have a funny story about a problem customer that was way too heavy. Come on, come on, Nick. Give us a oh funny my story gosh. about a problem you know, customer. Here's, the, here's our version of a problem customer. So this was for a previous company that I had started. And in this case, situation was there was one of our larger customers and I would say this is more of the silent problem as opposed to them being so outwardly and obviously a problem. The issue was we were generating great revenue from them and we ultimately were chasing revenue versus chasing product market fit. And so what would happen was they would say, hey, do you all provide this for your product or do you all also provide this service as well to support us? And we would continuously say yes. And so what happened was we ended up spending months of effort in order to support this opportunity. And it became really distracting in terms of us being able to focus on, of course, driving value for the business and driving value for other customers. 
So sadly, not a funny story, but I would say a that critical is the story. Most vanilla problem customer story I've ever heard, uh, Nick. I'll be honest with uh, you. I know that's the you know. I think I like to live on <laughs> the vanilla side of the problem edit, customers. It was Nick's story. We didn't edit that. Nobody else that's participated right. in the writing of it. Just uh, in case uh, the Hollywood writers are listening and they want to get some of my material, you know. <laughs> Nick, Nick, was that a Chat GPT story? Be honest. That, I swear, this is the. Maybe we're living the life maybe of just vanilla. Maybe it was a bedtime vanilla. story. Maybe that's what it was. That's right. It's oh. the uh, this is the the slow one that that gets you. If you just keep saying yes, it's a problem customer. Okay, we okay. don't even to, realize it. To, to end this off, I'll share my my problem customer story, which is very short. Which is a customer is very irate and was screaming at me on the phone. And I had to put myself on mute to write down <laughs> the things that they were saying because I didn't know what they meant and look them up later. And they were insults. I had just never heard them before. So I had to, they had gone so far down the insult ladder, they had reached insults that I had never heard before that I had to go look up. I will not share them on the podcast because I want to make sure our rating stays uh, friendly for all audiences. But, uh, but yeah, I've been insulted in ways that I didn't understand and had to do research later to figure out what they meant. Good times. Good times. That is, that is. Well, that's enough reliving our horrible days of problem customers. If you have problem customers for your business, we hope that you that some of these answers help. If nothing else, our commiseration hopefully will consolate you. Marty, as always, thank you for your help in answering these questions. You made us sound respectable yet again. It's been a pleasure, guys. Nick and Ash, as always, thanks for the wisdom. Hey, great time. Thank you. Thanks, Marty. Yeah, much appreciated, Marty. And that's it for Problem Customers. If you have a question, we would love to answer it in a future episode. Please find us on our website, thestartuphelpdesk.com or on Twitter, X, whatever it's called this week, as the Startup HD. For now, the Startup Help Desk is closed, but good luck in building your business. <laughs>